Something that has become increasingly popular as American society becomes more concerned with mental health is this idea of mindfulness, of bringing awareness to the present moment without judgment. We are learning how incredible of a tool mindfulness can be for our well-being, and clinicians, like our guest today, have been using mindfulness as a part of treatment for a range of mental conditions, but mindfulness has been around for centuries. Cultures across time and the globe have used similar practices and have passed down this tradition for generations. Here with us today is Heidi Pontenden, a doctoral psychology student and counseling intern at Kansas State University. We invited her here to help us break down mindfulness and answer some questions and common misconceptions about the topic to help you thrive at Kansas State University. My name is Chris Bowman. And I'm Cole Griffin. And welcome to the podcast. All right. So let's go back. Heidi, how do you pronounce your last name? Pontenden. <laughs> yeah, he's right? got it. Yep, Pontenden. Pontenden. Okay. So... Heidi Pont, where would you call home? What would where would you call where you're from when people ask you? Uh, from Minnesota, so which the uh, name kind of the name is Finnish, so that kind of you know Scandinavian vibe, Minnesota, it's oh, all there. Okay, which so, you may also hear in me just saying the word Minnesota. I've never been able to get rid of the long O's and some some vowels. So I don't think Kansas has a real cool accent, like you know the North or anything of that nature. I don't know. The what I've heard is that a lot of People around the United States try, like, sorry, news anchors around the United States imitate like Midwest accent because it's so neutral. Really, like we don't we don't yeah, put anything special on any letters, to my knowledge. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Well, like I said, I kind of always like said I got friends from Wisconsin. Chris, that was on our previous guest, he's from Wisconsin, and so and then the Minnesota. Just a northern accent. I think I dig it, but we just don't have one here in Kansas in the Midwest. Or at least I don't. So I don't. Okay, well we'll kinda kick this off. Heidi Pontinen, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So thanks for coming, Heidi. We really appreciate you being here. Um we're excited to talk about this topic, especially now, um, on the topic of mindfulness, because we have so much stuff going on in the world with the pandemic with finals week coming up and things, I think mindfulness is something that could really, really should really be on everybody's forefront of everybody's mind. And so to kind of kick it off, we'll just ask you to, you know, we find you from Minnesota, but can you, what do you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you landed here at K-State um, and yeah, how you got into mindfulness? Sure. Yeah. So I guess all of that probably starts with just the, the field I'm in, um, mm-hmm. that I am I'm working on my doctorate in clinical psychology. Um, my, my last year, my program. So this summer I'll graduate and have that um, have that degree. Um, and um, yeah, so I really just kind of always wanted to be a therapist. And so that's what I've always been been going toward. Um, had family members who were in that field and just always thought it really thought it was really fascinating. Um, and so just, yeah, I went to, to school in Minnesota, then uh, moved to Kansas for grad school. Um, I went to Wichita State University. All so right. I technically still attend there, but I am in my internship year now, which is just kind of the last year as you're finishing up your degree. Um, so I'm working at the K-State um, Counseling Services um, here as an intern. So coming from Minnesota to Kansas, what was that transition like? It was really interesting. I really I really enjoyed doing it. I, um, I was kind of nervous because I had only ever lived an hour and a half away from my parents and family and my family's pretty close so always kind of um you know we're yeah around all my supports and so yeah I moved halfway across the country and didn't know anybody um but I thought it was a really I don't know I really enjoyed that experience it was a good challenge just to learn different things about a different part of the world um learn about a different community um even just down to the little things of like um 
the grocery stores are different mm-hmm. or, you know, like all those yeah. kind of things. It just kind of expands your mind a little bit um, just to see what, what it's like in other areas of the country, what different people care about. Mm-hmm. What is one thing you miss from Minnesota when you came to Kansas? Honestly, the the weather a little bit. Like, okay. I think, I, and I know that that's, I don't know, that's probably controversial, but um, I don't know that I want it, want the winters to be quite as bad as they are there, but I think I would like a little more variety than there is in Kansas. Um, a few more days of snow or, um, or things like that would be nice. We have a weird weather system in Kansas. Nobody likes it. So, so you're not, you won't be offending anybody. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, you know, saying nobody likes it. You can't really say that. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe the three people sitting in this room, we would like to alter it a little bit. I've heard. So Kansas does have like four seasons. So that's something going for it. But I haven't heard a lot of people that are like, oh my gosh, I just love how humid Kansas is. (laughs) Yeah. But you don't hear very many people that say they miss having days of snow, like Heidi just said. Mm, you know, yeah, that's you true. Know, you know, I'm a cold weather person. I hate hot weather. Coming into the winter months here in Kansas, we're going to get it. It's going to be humid. But I, too, would like to have the snow uh, yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and I think there's probably a piece of it that's just like forgetting how horrible it actually is of like having to park and having to I hate scraping off my car like yeah. you know so it's it's maybe just a, a piece of like it's been too long and when I'm actually back there I'll I'll hate it but but I think there is a little bit of like yeah just the variety is nice or just mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to look outside in the morning and it's you know pretty snowfall that kind of thing yeah. instead of just like months and months of you know it's not even pretty outside it's just like 30 and nothing changes so you want the you want the, the lower temperatures but you want some scenery with it with like a yeah. white landscape I, I can get yep. down with that. I like that. I also yeah, had another question that. about, so you're studying clinical psychology mm-hmm. at the doctoral level. Do you have like a specialization within di- doctoral psychology or like a special field of interest? I don't really. I'm really wanting to be a generalist. That's the program that I went to that really is trying to make sure that you have the skills to be it in different settings or mm-hmm. to be able to um, you know handle different concerns. So so that's what I'm yeah wanting to continue being. I haven't found something in particular to specialize in. Cool. Like that. So what they said you you went did your um, undergrad in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What university in Minnesota did you do that at? Uh, Gustavus Adolphus College. Okay. It's a, a small school um, that's like I think twenty five hundred people. Okay. Well. So yeah, did psychology there, and um, yeah, from there was just trying to wanting to stay somewhere in the Midwest. So I applied kind of just to grad schools all over the Midwest to just try to stay somewhat close to home and. Um, Ended up at the one that was farthest away, which is not what I expected, which yeah. was Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. So looking at at, at the the school, I, how how did you pronounce it? The one in Minnesota. Oh, Gustavus Adolphus College. Right. It's some um, long dead Lutheran Swedish king. I'm going to say what Heidi just said. That college, the one in Minnesota. <laughs> it's all good. Because um, Wichita State's relatively, or it is a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So what was it like going from a small? Um, college setting to maybe a little bit of a larger college setting and as a grad school on top of it being you know how know what 12 hours away from home what was that yeah. like it, yeah it was different it it being at a smaller school you feel much more connected kind of to and, and I think that is partially partially just being part of undergrad as well like you maybe feel just more connected to the school more school spirit and all of that and there's a little bit more disconnection when you're a grad student that mm-hmm. um, you know you're not you're only in a few buildings you're not really seeing quite as much of the campus you feel a little bit disconnected from like the undergraduate students and so um so I think just yeah I felt more connected to my fellow grad students maybe more so than like the school as a whole but I still really enjoyed my time there 
What's interesting too is I think you can bring that perspective in what you're doing now working in this counseling center. You know, you've got several perspectives from a smaller school. You went to a larger school with your graduate program, Wichita State, came to K-State, which is, you know, we have anywhere fluctuating from 18 to 25,000 students. Mm -hmm. So you've got a pretty well-rounded view of what college, the college experience can be for an individual. Yeah, definitely, which I think can only, yeah, only help just to understand more perspectives and just, I mean, not just even as a therapist, but just as a person. I like yeah. getting to see more perspectives or getting to learn more about different experiences. So, Awesome. That's great. So today we're, we asked you to come in to talk about mindfulness, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if we could start with a definition for mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Sure. So I would um, define mindfulness as just kind of another word for awareness or focus. Mm. Um, it really just means, yeah, having being aware of the present moment and paying attention to what's going on for you right now, um, whether that's kind of inside of you, so your thoughts, your feelings, your body sensations, or things that are going on outside of you, so um, the different things in your environment that might be happening. So yeah, it's really just about that, that focus on the present moment. Mm. And what got you interested in mindfulness? Um, I think it was really something that I learned kind of while studying to be a therapist, really. It Mm -hmm. honestly wasn't something I'd heard of too much before. And so I started learning about it when I started practicing therapy and found it to be really helpful for me personally as I was, you know, trying to, you know, that there is a piece of needing to be able to do something for yourself before you can be trying to help someone else um, do it. And and then just seeing how much it helped other people that I was working with in therapy as well. Mm. Uh, another question I have then is what can mindfulness, like what are the, what are the benefits of mindfulness? Yeah, so mindfulness uh, can be helpful for um, doing things like lessening symptoms of anxiety and depression or just kind of lessening the stress that we feel in our daily lives. Um, and so that's kind of some almost fringe benefits, though, because really what it's about is trying to deepen the quality of your experiences of life. Mm. There are so many times that we can just so easily go on autopilot when we're doing things. I mean, when we're just with anything, with our work or with school or um, with eating or singing or whatever it is that you like to do there's so much of it that can kind of just turn into more of an autopilot we're not maybe really fully enjoying or really being present with what we're doing and it just yeah it can increase the enjoyment so much when we are more aware of what's happening and kind of how it's um how it's affecting us Hmm. i also have a question for you chris yeah how much what's your experience like with mindfulness um, I would say my experience of mindful, like you talking personally or with mm-hmm. people that I've personally, worked with, yeah. and personally, mindfulness, it gets difficult to remind yourself that mindfulness is important, if that makes sense. Like kind of what you said, being present in the moment, uh, being aware of your surroundings, you know, why you're in them, you know, it's easy to get things stacked up and it's easy to lose the whole idea of mindfulness just because you're so busy, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's hard for me personally to not think about what has to get done or what I have to do in the future or what's coming up that I have to prepare for that. You're exactly right. Sometimes I just fail to look around and be like, Hey, you know what? Um, this is a really good moment. I need to take this in for me. That's something I think. And I think I see that with a lot of people. Um, not a lot, but with, with some people I encounter, we're always kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, I think that is by the furthest thing, away from the definition of mindfulness that you can get (laughs) waiting for the other shoe to drop. Part of me also thinks, I don't know, something that takes me out of awareness for the present is like social media. So like as soon as you open social media, you're not being aware of where you are. You're being aware of where other people were, you know? And so it's like impossible for you to, I don't know, be connected with yourself if you, if like the primary like 
mode that people spend their time is on seeing what other people are doing. That's a really good point. I mean, I, I've thought about that, but never put a lot of, but not been mindful about that, Mm -hmm. I guess, but that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, um, I like what you said there too, you know, what other people have done, mm-hmm. you know, and you kind of can dwell on that. And again, that's getting a really, that's getting far away from mindfulness for yourself as well. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really connects to one of the benefits of mindfulness and that it can get so easy to get kind of pulled into thinking about the past or the future. You're thinking about the past, maybe dwelling on things that happened, um, you know, or thinking about the future, maybe feeling anxious about things that could come. And so, yeah, social media is one way that maybe we're almost distracting ourselves from thinking about the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I worry about the future a lot. And so, I don't know, it's, it feels like I'm not being diligent if I'm not worrying about the future, you know, like I'm not being productive if I'm not worrying about the future. And that kind of takes away from my mindfulness. But then that also takes away from my productivity because I'm not doing, like I'm not present in the thing that I'm actually doing. It's just hard because I think you're always, like I said, we're a hot, like some people haven't, like, just like you said, I've got to be prepared for the future. I got to be prepared for what's coming up. And then let's take a global pandemic that's going on um, where the future is unknown a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, our class is going to be in person. Am I going to be able to go to work? Uh, You know, what, what's my class schedule going to look like for some of the students? that was really easy to pull away from that mindfulness. It's like, I've, I, I have to worry about the future because nobody else is going to, unless I do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that could, that's just, it's, it's a dangerous trap to fall into. That, that also brings up an interesting point. I think as the pandemic has going on, we've been thinking a lot about like, Oh, how things used to be or like what we're going to do when things get back to normal because the present sucks so much. <laughs> so like, I don't know. Have have you experienced like a similar thing like in your practice or your professional life or your personal life where I don't know, the pandemic has really hindered mindfulness, do you think? Yeah, I think so because I think I don't know, sometimes people forget that mindfulness is like yeah, that it is just being aware of what's going on for you and that doesn't have that doesn't always mean that it's going to be positive things that you're feeling. It mm-hmm. might be that you're tuning into the distress that you're feeling, that you are feeling anxious or depressed or or lonely and I think we have a hard time tolerating that sometimes and so I think it can get very easy when things are rough to not want to be mindful and to not want to tune into those things because they're hard. Mm. So so how when you're experiencing something difficult, because I guess when I'm thinking of mindfulness, I'm thinking, oh, we need to tune into like the good things. Like when you're eating food, you're, ta- you're tasting the good tastes or whatever. How, how, I don't know, can mindfulness still be helpful if we're experiencing pain? I think so. Yeah. And it, in some ways can sometimes be more helpful. I mm. mean, you're, you know, rather than kind of trying to avoid something, which can sometimes prolong our suffering, uh, make things more difficult difficult to face if we're kind of trying to push them away, you're kind of just recognizing for yourself what's going on, and it's you can't you can't do anything about those feelings unless you know that they're there first. So mm-hmm. it's you need to be able to call attention to those things before you can even figure out what to do with them. With all the benefits of mindfulness, how how do we go about like practicing mindfulness? Yeah, so the the nice thing about mindfulness is that it's something that you can pretty much practice anytime, anywhere. Um, It's not something that people necessarily have to know that you're doing because it's something you can be doing in your head or or even, yeah, be taking time for yourself, you know, when you're um, waking up in the morning or before you go to bed at night to just kind of take some time for yourself and do it. So it's a very easy practice to try to add in at any time. Um, but people can do it um, kind of in informal or formal ways. Uh, maybe the more formal ways would be to um, 
kind of practice maybe using a guided meditation. Um, you know, really setting aside a specific time to meditate or to have some sort of exercise to kind of go through, um, you know, listening to a script or something um, to, to help practice that. But it's something you can do informally too, whether it's just when you're sitting in class and you're taking a second to try to think maybe about um, what information you're taking in through your senses. So mm-hmm. you could be sitting in class listening to a lecture and um, decide that you want to try to be more mindful of the moment. And you can think through, you know, what are some things that I can see right now? What are some things I can hear right now? What about what I can feel? And really just try to tune in to where you're at, even, yeah, when you're in class or driving or eating or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. When I see, when you say the word like guided meditation, I know for me, the term meditation scares me because, you know, in my mind, when I go to meditation, I'm like, you know what, I've got to be a Tibetan monk. I've got to sure. shut everything off. I need to be somewhere peaceful and quiet. And I need to be good at this right away, right now, with no work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where my mind goes when I think of meditation. And some people I've talked to, they go to the same place. Um, you know, does meditation, when you use that word, it doesn't have to look like that, does it? Nope, definitely not. And I think, and you're right, I think the terminology can get difficult. Even just the word mindfulness sometimes scares people off. Um, it does have, you know, kind of um, connections to, like, Buddhist traditions, and sometimes people are uncomfortable about that or unfamiliar with that, and so they feel like it means something that it doesn't necessarily mean. Mm-hmm. It can be that. It can be the Buddhist monk yeah. type, type thing, but it doesn't have to be. It can just be trying to be more present in your daily life without doing those kind of formal practices. And again, that's that piece that I think I, I, I want to be good at it right away. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to do this right away. And it takes, because is, is mindfulness and some of the exercise, it's kind of like a muscle. The more you use it, the better it gets, the, the stronger it becomes. Is that an accurate, is that a good way to put it or is that? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's, and everything you're mentioning is so important for, um, I think what makes it hard for people to practice mindfulness because they do have a lot of expectations for themselves. They want to be good at it. They want to feel like they're doing it right. Mm -hmm. It's really hard when it's just about tuning in to yourself and seeing what's there. There's no right or wrong with that. There's not, you know, so you're maybe not going to get this sense of like, yep, I get this check mark. I did it right today. That's just not how it works. As as much as it would be nice for it to be that way, that's not what it's about. And so, yeah, it gets very difficult. It does. Like, so there's not somebody that's like, was I mindful today? Like, it's, it's more of an interpersonal question you have to and you have to ask yourself instead of asking somebody else to kind of validate like Cole you did a good job at being mindful today you know and that's sometimes that's what some people crave that's what I crave with a lot of things you know you want that validation but it's that interpersonal connection or um, interpersonal um, conversation and that you have to have with yourself to know okay I did what I can today and sometimes that's really hard really difficult especially in stressful times and when you should be having you know practicing mindfulness even more Definitely. I think, yeah, and just the expectations can be so high with it. I think that's what also makes mindfulness hard for people mm-hmm. is it, just by definition, it sounds simple. It sounds like it should be easy. Like, oh, yeah, you're just you're just focusing on the moment. You're just aware of what's going on. I can do that. And that's what, but it's not as easy as it sounds like it can be really difficult no. and it, it, it does take sometimes regular practice. And I think that can get discouraging for people sometimes when they start to have high expectations about what they'll get from it or what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's difficult, it takes work, and then there's not like, I don't know. Like, since there's, the expectations are difficult, so you can't tell when you've, like, met the expectations. You're like, you're not like, oh, I beat the level. Yeah. Or, oh, I did the homework assignment. It's like, the mindfulness happened. Did I do it well? And you yeah. can never really answer that question. Yeah, you're not getting a grade on your mindfulness. Like, you know, you, right. get, you, got, a, you got a B plus today because you were, you know, 
you can't ask anybody because it's so interpersonal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that can be really hard, especially for students who are used to their whole lives being evaluated on everything and they're used to getting the grade for everything. And so what does it mean to not have something where you can be evaluated that way or where you can kind of get that sort of result? Well, and then I kind of I think about with mindfulness, um, I came from a very, very small town when I went through um, high school and mindfulness never was just was never on the plate. You know, we never really, I don't know how to say it on the plate, but it wasn't something that was brought to our attention quite a bit. And then you come to college and if somebody say, we're there's in this podcast or they go to one of your workshops or something and they're trying to learn what mindfulness is, they're going to be, there's going to be a learning curve there, you know, and other people may be a little bit ahead of you when it comes to practicing mindfulness or being mindful. And that can get really discouraging mm-hmm. for a lot of people. I know I'd be one of those people, you know, um, Cause it's a new concept for so many people, you know, they come to, they come to college or they go somewhere and they are introduced mindfulness for the first time when they're a young adult. It's like, Whoa, how do I handle this? And how can I use it? And the older we get, when we have to learn a new concept, that's difficult, the easier it is to give it up and be like, I don't need that. I can survive. I, I went to this um, Asian festival the summer before the pandemic and there was this family that was performing a meditation kind of. So like the mom and the children were sitting and like meditating and the the dad was doing something different. But I, I remember kind of being jealous that like mindfulness wasn't a part of my upbringing because I have struggled with it so much. Like I, I don't know, it takes work no matter what, but I wish the work had already been done by now, you know? Yep. Yeah, I do think that's really difficult that, I don't know, I mean, you know, just going off my own experience, I guess, like my parents, I don't, you know, don't talk about that, didn't talk about that. My school never taught me how to be present or even just different things like how to deal with emotions or just kind of the basics of being a person. Like those kind of things aren't really touched on. And so I feel like it happens a lot where someone gets to the point of being a young adult, being in college, and they don't know how to do those things because no one ever really told them how to do it. And it just makes it much more difficult sometimes to learn those things at that older age, like you're saying. Yeah. Makes it so much easier to give it up. Yeah. It's like, I got to work at this. And then you're not being mindful. Like I got 3000 other things I have to accomplish. And then it just goes by the wayside. It's also like if I'm already tired and I could benefit a lot from mindfulness and it takes work that I'm like, well, why don't I just veg? Because like (laughs) that doesn't take work. I'm going to have to put energy into mindfulness. And I don't know. Sometimes I don't always have that. That's true. Putting energy into doing nothing. Well, being mindful and like doing the thing that you're already doing, but more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's complicated for sure. (laughs) I don't know. Well, so I was wondering too, like we've been talking about mindfulness um, for a little bit. Is there a way that we could maybe provide an example for the listeners, like with us, like go through an example right now? Sure. That sounds good. Yeah. We can maybe go through, um, go through a mindfulness exercise ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'm be, ready for it. I am ready for this. Yeah. I'm ready to be mindful. Okay. Sounds ready to good. put the work in. Ready to put the work in. Okay. Ready so. to be. How do we prepare like, ourselves first? Yeah. Yes. Good question. Um, so you can do whatever feels most comfortable for you. Um, I'd recommend sitting in a comfortable position or laying down if you'd prefer to, to lay down um, where you feel like you can kind of just relax a little bit, um, you know, feel comfortable. So if you're sitting in a chair, um, you know, it depends on you for if you'd like to be kind of sitting back in your chair, if you'd like to be sitting up straight. Um, having both of your feet on the floor can be helpful, just kind of helps with that stability piece if you are sitting. Um, and then in terms of having your eyes closed or open, many people do feel more comfortable having their eyes closed it kind of just helps them focus a little bit more but for some people that can be uncomfortable um 
the idea of having your eyes closed, maybe if you have um, a past um, history of something traumatic happening to you, something that makes it difficult for you to kind of not have that awareness, I'd just recommend looking at the floor um, or looking kind of in a neutral place. Um, it's really just whatever is most comfortable for you. Okay. I think I'm going to go eyes closed. I will too. Yeah, yeah I, I do prefer eyes closed. I think, I don't know if maybe other people have different experiences, but it, it can be hard for me to just kind of turn off the other stimuli. And mm-hmm. so just being able to kind of really center myself can be helpful. All right. Okay, so yeah, let's start with a short mindfulness practice that helps to bring us here into our body in this moment. This is called a grounding meditation. This should take just about five minutes. So first, as we've already done, find a comfortable position with both feet on the floor. Allow your eyes to close gently if that feels okay, or just lower your gaze. Now bring your attention into the areas of contact that your feet are having with the floor, feeling into your feet. Notice the solidity of the ground under your feet. Feeling where your shoes are in contact with your feet. Now move up to your thighs and notice where they have contact with the chair. Just allow the ground and the chair to hold and support your body without you needing to do anything. Now move the attention to your back. Where does your back touch the back of the chair? Can you feel the difference between where there is contact and where there is none? Now move the attention to your hands, feeling into your hands. Maybe noticing the the position of your hands and noticing what they are touching. Perhaps this is the chair, your thighs, or maybe your other hand. Now open your awareness. Feel your entire body sitting here in this moment on this chair. And now, for the last minute or so of our short meditation, bring the attention to your breath. If you like, you can make the next couple of breaths a little bit deeper so you can really feel the breath. Ask yourself where you feel it the most or where the sensations are the most pleasant. Is it at the nostrils where the air comes in? Is it at the back of your throat? Is it in your chest or maybe in your belly? Use that place as the anchor for your attention. This is where you come back to over and over whenever the mind wanders off.
Now, just let yourself breathe. No need to make it any other way than it wants to be. And when you notice your attention is somewhere else, gently bring it back to the breath. When you're comfortable, you can come back to the room and open your eyes. How you feeling, Cole? I guess I shouldn't even be leaving. This is Heidi. She's leaving. I'm asking the questions. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, what was that like for the two of you? You want to, So, Cole, you said you've been doing a lot of mindfulness, or you've done mindfulness or been working on it for a while. I've been working on it for a little bit. I thought it went quickly but like i don't know so i had been yawning earlier today and i know that i'm tired but i feel it's it's not like tired like i'm out of energy i feel like rested if that makes sense like i don't know rejuvenated or re-energized no i don't know like not that i have energy but like that i could rest but not in the way that i need in a way that i like need to like it's available to me if i needed it if that makes sense not to me, but not to you. <laughs> no. Um, no, that makes sense. I'm tired, but not in an exhausted way. It was like restful for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. For me, like I could like the hardest part, if we're being honest, like even when we were going through the first part, I still felt like I was moving my feet. Mm. I was still kind of jittery or not jittery, but I was still had trouble sitting still just because that's how I am all the time. And, um, but then as we moved up, I think once we got to the hips and things like that, then I felt my feet calm down a little bit. Um, I wasn't as worried. Like at first I was like, there was a little bit of anxiety. Like, I hope I do this quick. I hope I do this right. And I hope I, I feel an immediate result, I guess is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of gratifying to me because I started to feel a result pretty quickly while doing it. I felt relaxed. This may be not a great thing to admit, but I felt my jaw, um, loosen a little bit not that i like was clenched or anything but halfway through it i felt like a relaxation in my jaw and that's where i feel stressed the most mm. and so i got pretty quick results from that so you notice that that one place that you hold stress is your jaw yeah yep mm. and i've kind of known that for a while but then doing that just you know being mindful of where i was at it just kind of relaxed and i could and it was a good feeling yeah, and those insights are so important that yeah. we all have different tendencies. We all hold tension in different places. We all carry stress differently. You know, mm-hmm. for you, it might be tension. For another person, it might be like a hot or cold sensation mm-hmm. or, you know, there are many different things that we can experience. So it's all just about figuring out what your own tendencies are, how you experience these things. And then, um, yeah, just building that awareness. I know for me, what I've been doing for the past, like, it's been about a month, um, I'm kind of a night owl. I I like to stay up late, but then I don't like to get up early. But I've got to go. I got work. I have kids, so getting up late is usually not an option. And so what I found was the the breathing part, like you know, uh, that's a relaxation, but also probably pretty important in mindfulness. What I've found work the past month is if I go to bed, there have been there have been several times where I'll lay down and I'll have to get back up and go do something because I'm just not able to fall asleep. But that deep breathing and things uh, that, that we did and then the, the relaxation breathing, um, deep breaths, doing about, I got it down to like 12. If I do 12 of those, then I usually fall asleep pretty quickly. Mm. And so when we were doing the, when you said, you know, the breathe, maybe take in just a little bit more, um, 
and you said pay attention to where it feels good. Like my the nostrils is where it felt good for me. When I took a deep breath, that was what I thought felt good. What about you, Cole? Yeah, I think so. As I as I've been practicing meditation, I found that like the textures of things are something that I like that I can grab onto pretty easily. So like when you were talking about like grounding into the feet, um, I like felt how my socks felt against my feet. And so like I, that was the same way when it moved even into my hands was like the texture of my jeans. So I, I use a lot like the clothing that I'm wearing and like feeling that clothing as something to like latch onto, I guess, in meditations. And Mm -hmm. that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I find that when I practice med- or uh, mindfulness with people, that they do seem to have a sense that is maybe most prominent for them or is mm. most meaningful for them. It's touch for me as well. Like the idea of, yeah, just um, the feeling of my body against the chair or my feet on the ground or my clothes or, um, or even like if I'm trying to help myself feel better, like touching a soft blanket or like, you know, hot and cold, like all of those kind of sensations seem like they're more meaningful to me where to other people it might be about listening to calming music or, um, you know, they're maybe noticing more of the sounds that are going on around them or the smells. So it, it, it's mm. another piece of just trying to learn your own tendencies and what what you connect with most and what's most meaningful for you yeah when you've led uh, mindfulness workshops or exercises um like what kind of what we just led with students or with anybody really in 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 your professional career um what has been some feedback from some other people i mean if you can think i know i don't want to put you on the spot but i mean like we had a couple of them where i said you know i felt some instant gratification of just relaxation and then being more in the in the moment and things of that nature um I don't want to say is that typical, but I mean, is it, is it, what is the range of what people feel like after they do a, a, a mindfulness exercise? I think there is a pretty big range. Um, I mean, it can be sometimes people do feel very relaxed. They feel very calm. Um, sometimes people, especially if they're newer at it, they find themselves having thoughts like, I feel silly, this is weird, (laughs) and that's normal too. (laughs) Even if you've been practicing it for a long time, that can be normal. And so there is, yeah, a pretty huge range of reactions. Well, and the reason I bring it up, you know, is is that it's not going to, it might, like I said, it's that whole, it takes work, you know, and then having someone to guide you through some of those uh, um, mindfulness exercises um, can be really, really helpful because, you know, then I find myself questioning, am I doing it right? Maybe I'm doing it wrong. But if someone's there, like I said, I know you guys have held mindfulness workshops and things of that nature. It's it's just somebody there encouraging you to keep going and keep doing it. And that's what some people need and that to for them to keep working on it. And so, you know, and so if you don't, like I said, if you find yourself having those wondering thoughts, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means you got to keep trying and got to have to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that is maybe a misconception about mindfulness of that people do think that it is just about that they're doing something wrong if they're Mm -hmm. if they find themselves being distracted. That's how your brain works. That's how we're designed to work. Like you're not going to be able to be mindful 24 seven as much as maybe we'd like to be. And so it's just about trying to notice when that happens, recognizing it's okay, it's normal if that happens and just pulling your focus back. So you mentioned that. What are some other misconceptions you can think of about mindfulness? Are there anything else that you'd like to point out that could be some common misconceptions? Um, I do think that would be one of them, yeah. that uh, One, I guess, just that mindfulness is easy and that, it, you know, like we've already kind of talked about, that it's something that, that is simple because I think that can lead to a lot of judgment for people, um, that they start to, to judge themselves for not being good enough at it or, or yeah, just that, that thing that we've already been talking about, that there's some sort of expectation mm-hmm. that there's a right way to do it. Um, I think another is something that you mentioned a little bit as well, Chris, that isn't, can be an easy um, thought, just that 
the point is to is to relax or to feel better and it's kind of like that's kind of a byproduct of it but that's not necessarily the purpose of it because it is that awareness piece and so it's like if you do feel more relaxed and calm afterward that's awesome Um, and if you don't if it is that you're tuning into feelings that are kind of distressing or are difficult whether there's pain or anger or whatever it might be that's not a bad thing that's you're just finding out what's there and that's kind of the purpose of it so it's kind of an interesting thing of I think people have this idea that like there's a purpose like it's just for relaxation and it can be relaxing but it might not be and if it's not that's okay too well that's what when you just said that like I think what we were talking about previously like I was putting relaxation techniques and mindfulness in the same in the same basket thinking these are the same thing and they can intersect yeah. and they can be the same thing, but they don't have to be like, right. just like what you said. Yeah. So it can be confusing. So mm-hmm. when people first start looking into it, I think that can lead to it too of like, okay, I'm be, I'm more aware of my feelings. Why aren't I more relaxed now? And mm-hmm. it's, well, that's part of it too. It, it might not be more relaxing if what you're uncovering is that you're feeling pretty uncomfortable right now and that mm-hmm. that's okay if that's what, what's there. Yeah. Can it be used as a little, and maybe I'm asking this in the wrong way. But when you're mindful of your surrounding and your situations, um, is the, am I using the right term? Is that it can be motivating for people? Like if, if I'm really in tune with how I'm feeling and I'm mindful of the situation and things, it can motivate me to take actions or to not to take actions. Am I saying that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's part of what comes with that awareness is we you're not going through things on autopilot if you're able to kind of be present in the mm-hmm. moment. You're able to be more aware of maybe your own thoughts and feelings, your own decisions. You may be able to make different decisions than you would normally if you are more thoughtful about yeah. what's happening. And so, yeah, you, you kind of just have that, um, yeah, Anytime, that, that yeah. can help. Anytime you can have more thought and have a little bit more, yeah, is never a bad thing, yeah. I think. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think we can fall into patterns sometimes, you know, the way we maybe respond um, when there's a conflict in your relationship or mm-hmm. when we're really stressed about something, and it can get easy to just kind of keep perpetuating the same habits. And so mindfulness can be a helpful step of figuring out what even is going on or what even those habits are so that we can start changing them. So that's where, it, yeah, it can get difficult of mindfulness is maybe more just the initial step of figuring out what's going on yeah. that then you can use as information to figure out how to change it. But mindfulness itself is not designed to change it yeah. if that makes sense but mm-hmm. it, it can get really difficult that distinction no that makes sense to me i really i think that kind of putting those two things out there that makes a lot of sense to me and i think that that expands upon the awareness aspect of it because awareness by itself isn't change yeah but it does notify you how you can change or what direction to go maybe i don't know yeah definitely yeah i think it, it takes first kind of some acceptance of of what is there Mm -hmm. what you kind of what's going on for you in order to be able to change it because if yeah if you're in a place of like you don't even want to tolerate whatever you're feeling or you don't even want to to pay attention to it you can't change it it's going to keep happening if you're not you know able to recognize at least that it's there accept that it is happening and be able to do something about it yeah a word a word i keep hearing you say is like acceptance um i was wondering i don't know like this this idea of like suspending judgment and self-compassion seems to keep coming up in our discussion. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the, I don't know, suspending judgment piece of it. Yeah, so, yeah, the non-judgmentalness is a very big piece of mindfulness. Um, really, I mean, we have so many judgments all the time. You know, we have so many opinions about things. We, um, you know, we tend to evaluate things as good or bad in our life. And so this is 
just kind of a chance to try to pull ourselves away from that a little bit. And you're just trying to notice what's going on without judging it, which is really hard to do when Mm -hmm. we are pretty practiced at judging things Mm -hmm. Um, where, you know, yeah, if you are starting to have the thoughts like this is silly, I don't like this, or you're starting to have the thoughts about, am I doing this right? You know, or, or you're just getting distracted by something else that just trying to recognize for yourself, that's okay. This is part of this and trying not to judge that piece um, of what's going on. Um, another important piece is to, I mean, related to that is don't judge your judging. So when you find yourself being judgmental about something, try not to judge that and know that it's a part of it. It's, it's not an easy process. Yeah. I think that the, the judgment piece is the hardest part because I always want to like, I always want to like have a product after I do something like, Oh, I did it. Like I cooked the food. Now I get to eat it. You <laughs> know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. It's just a, I don't know, mindfulness is just different from the way we think of a lot of things in our society, I think, the way we're taught to do a lot of things, and so it can be a difficult adjustment. Why, why do you think that is so hard, the, the self-compassion part of that? Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly. I, I wonder if it has something to do with kind of just the individualistic kind of nature um, of our society that we have the sense that we need to be able to do things ourselves. We're just so hard on ourselves. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of an interesting thing when you start looking into things like being compassionate or being non-judgmental that we have so much more compassion for other people than we do for ourselves sometimes. And that can be such a hard thing to separate ourselves from. something I keep coming back to is like whenever I do do mindfulness meditations or anything like that, I almost feel like I have to judge it for it to be valuable. Like by me judging it, I'm assigning it value one way or another. And so if, if I can't assign it value, then it's really hard for me to like find it, I guess, because the judgment for me is what gives it value. Yeah. You want to validate that you're, doing it for a reason and you're and you're doing it well i that's the way i look at it you know Mm -hmm. i know i kind of go back to when i started journaling you know um which i haven't done my entire life i'm really glad i do it now but i had to really for a long time i had to really like i look at what i journal and be like i need to be i still find myself not being 100 percent honest on paper that i'm writing that nobody else is ever going to see the only people are going to see it are people that i let see it if i choose that but i was still there's still something in the back of my mind like I really shouldn't put this down because I don't want anybody else to see it or to judge it or anything of that nature. And so I kind of, I don't know, maybe it kind of fits along the same line with that. It did, I don't know if that made any sense yeah. or not. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So. Yeah, wonder, it's hard. We just are so. It's know. vulnerable. Yeah. I think that that's definitely a piece of it too. Yeah. That vulnerability. You're always, uh, there's something about it where people are always worried or not people. Some people are always worried about how, like, like I said, they're, they're worried about being judged. They're worried about what it's going to look like. They're worried about what it says about them as a person. You know, if I have to work at mindfulness, you know, if somebody is mindful, that means that's a trait of a good person. And I have to work at it. So does that mean that I'm not as good of a person as somebody else? Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. That's something I think about sometimes. Yeah. Sure, like a feel, fear of failure, yeah. maybe of like if it's something I have to work at, then mm-hmm. it's something I can fail at. Exactly. And what if I fail at it? And yeah. then that that can keep people from even trying it because they're so worried about what that would look like or if they could handle it if they did yep. feel like they failed it. Oh my gosh, that cripples me so much. Like the fear of failure, like starting, I don't know. The fear of failure is the most often reason why I don't start something is because I'm scared of failing. So I'm just like, well, if I don't do it in the first place, then I can't fail at it. <laughs> 
you didn't know that you're getting into this deep of a conversation, did you, Heidi? When you yeah. came down to sit, well, no, sit it's, with it us. All, it's all part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, and what you're saying there is such a common tendency. I mean, that's how I've kind of been throughout school as well, or just many students really struggle with that piece of almost they procrastinate on their assignments or mm. studying or whatever it might be because they're worried that they're, it's not going to be good enough. And if it's not going to be good enough, then what does that say about them? And so they put it off and then that can just lead to increased stress and mm. uh, can kind of get into a difficult cycle. How do we open ourselves up to compassion, like self-compassion? What does that look like? Yeah. So self-compassion is, um, is trying to just recognize for yourself that you deserve to be treated with kindness and that you can do that for yourself. Um, it, it does involve kind of just a recognition of what's called common humanity, just the idea that suffering is a part of life. We all suffer. We all fail at things. We all make mistakes um, and that that's okay. And so sometimes recognizing that for, for people is really hard. They feel like, no, I should be better than that. No, I can, I can, I can make it, you know, I can succeed at this. Like I'm not going to fail at anything or I can't for whatever reason. And so really just trying to be understanding and patient toward yourself um, is, is a big piece of self-compassion. That can sometimes come in the form of kind of almost having a mantra for yourself of even when you notice yourself um, being hard on yourself or judging that you can tell yourself it's it's okay. It's okay that that I'm feeling this way. Um, Just almost trying to validate for yourself what you're feeling that, yes, this is hard right now. Um, The way I'm feeling makes sense. All of those things can sometimes be helpful reminders. Mm-hmm. It, it also sounds like it's so like that common humanity piece is so much deeper than I don't know if I'm thinking about oh I'm just feeling my socks against my feet but really even though we're using that as a task what we're getting at is so much deeper than just feeling your socks against your feet sure yeah I mean I suppose they are they're related but um separate concepts I suppose of like one just yeah kind of grounding yourself being aware of what's going on and the next is kind of yeah about just trying to be kind to yourself and um be non-judgmental when you're having your experiences mm-hmm. I know you shared a little bit with us but I mean if you wouldn't mind sharing a little more um how has mindfulness helped you personally and what's that journey of mindfulness been like for you yeah, so that it has been quite a, a journey for me. I mean, like I said, it kind of honestly wasn't really till grad school that I even knew what it was or mm-hmm. how to practice it, um, which I guess says something about, yeah, that I didn't really have a lot of, I don't know, teaching in my, you know, through my childhood that it was important to be aware of your surroundings mm-hmm. or um, that that was even something that you could do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's something that's helped me out a lot just with my own struggles with anxiety and depression throughout my life. Um, I think it's helped me be more aware and be able to tolerate the discomfort that I was feeling at those times that was really that was it was making it harder for me to get through those times because I was working so hard to avoid feeling that way or trying to just stop it from being that way. And so really trying to sit and just sit with that discomfort, feel what was going on, try to understand what was happening was really the only way that I could start working on those things. And when you said, you know, what what you just said and a question and maybe a statement on it, um, you know, you talked about um, struggles with depression, anxiety, things of that nature. In my mind, I think, you know, when, when you work on mindfulness and you can be completely honest with yourself when you're, in, when you're trying to be mindful of that moment, you can pick up, I don't know if it's patterns, but certain feelings you're having that are indicators that, okay, 
something and it could be something where you re-engage with services or you go see a therapist or you go talk to a friend or you do some some other uh, meditation or some relaxation or something is that a- an accurate statement is that something that some people can find with mindfulness is that they just are honest with themselves and their feelings and then they can feel maybe a pattern of indicators like okay i need to do some something to take care of myself does that make sense yeah, it does. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, it helps you with that awareness piece so that you can do something mm-hmm. about it that you can, yeah, try to try to use the different supports around you, yeah. whether it's talking to a friend about what's going on or whether it is going to, and seeing a therapist mm-hmm. and getting support in that sort of way. Um, that, yeah, it's just back to that piece of like, you can't do anything about what's going on unless you're first aware that yep. it's there and that you have that kind of acceptance. Hey, this is going on for me. You don't have to like that it's happening. You know, frequently when someone is dealing with anxiety or depression, they don't like that it's happening. Yeah. Um, and they they want it to change but you have you first kind of have to accept that it's there before you can do anything about it mm-hmm. and that that piece can be really hard yeah. yeah a question that had been itching at me kind of throughout the discussion was what if like a specifically mindfulness in pain like how how i don't know if you're it seems so counterintuitive because if i'm experiencing pain then i want to escape it but i don't know like how does diving in to that help us and how do we do like I don't I need to like start over this whole sentence you know (laughs) I know where you're going I I know where I'm going to but I'm yeah or we've been taught where it's always one of those things where we want to try to avoid pain where we don't want to Mm -hmm. kind of look at uh, you know kind of take it on and look it in the in the eyes but how does it now I'm lost I lost my complete train of thought but how like I said how do we get through to people that it's okay to feel that pain? It's okay to accept that pain when it's always been like, we need to turn away from that and not invite that in. Is that right, Cole? I'm wondering if it has to do a lot with the self-compassion piece because I mean, originally when we were, when we were talking about self-compassion, it was like failing during the actual mindfulness practice, but being compassionate to yourself and being compassionate to your pain is a lot better than just like not acknowledging it at all. But it's still so difficult. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, that is such a human reaction. Like, nobody likes pain. Nobody wants to feel pain. It's hard to turn your attention to it. It's, it's just, yeah, it's really difficult. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's very understandable when someone has spent a long time, maybe even years, trying to avoid feeling that and trying to do anything they can to just make it go away. I think that's really understandable. Um, it's just that they, they sometimes can find more, more relief when they are first able to accept that it's happening to be able to, to figure out what to do about it and how to lessen that suffering. Mm. So kind of getting back to like the practice portion of it, what are some barriers to mindfulness? Like during the actual practice, like I know Chris, you mentioned um, during our last mindfulness exercise, like wandering thoughts and things like mm-hmm. that, or yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that is definitely one, just the sense that, um, that if you get distracted, that that's wrong somehow, I think is, is one that, that maybe that goes along with kind of the expectations that we've been talking about, that there are certain expectations that people have sometimes when they're trying to practice mindfulness and that that's one that can get in the way that they, um, yeah, feel like they, they shouldn't feel a certain way or should feel a certain way or that like that they should feel relaxed afterward or, or even just that there is a right or wrong way to do it. If there, if you have some sort of sense of, 
oh, well, mindfulness means that I have to, you know, sit in this certain position and have my eyes closed and do this specific thing for this amount of time. You're just setting yourself up with different expectations that don't necessarily have to be there because mindfulness really is so flexible and can be very dependent on what you want and need. I think one of the, or I guess two images that have really helped me in my mindfulness practice is like, so thinking of those um, distracting thoughts, almost like clouds, like acknowledging that the cloud's there, but then letting it keep going and not like Mm -hmm. tethering yourself to it. Because I mean, that's all that you can do with clouds in real life is like, oh, that's cool. That cloud is shaped like a duck and then it's just going to keep going. Right. I don't have to like (laughs) hold on to it for a long time. It can just be. I don't know. It's something that you like acknowledge and let go. Whereas if I get mad at myself for acknowledging it, then I'm holding onto it even more and further. And then the other image that really helps me is like before mindfulness exercises is thinking of it like a snow globe. So if your daily life is really stressful and you've like shaken or put a lot of tension in your snow globe, then the snow, like all of the snow is like flying around you. Um, But before a mindfulness practice, I like to think of it like all of the snow settling. So everything in my life is still there, but for the time being, it's on the ground and not something that I have to worry about. And I can shake it up later if I need to. Or someone else can shake it up for or you. Or someone else <laughs> will shake it up for yeah, you. Because it yeah. is coming. It's um, coming. <laughs> well, I think, you know, in um, what you were just saying, when we're talking about, like, the distractions, the barriers, I, I don't know, in my mind, I there's something in my mind that says if I'm not planning or preparing for the future or worrying about what's coming down towards me, then I'm, that's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. I need to be prepared. I need to worry about the future. I need to take control. Cause if you don't worry about the future or think about it, then it m- might not be in your control. And I want to control that, you know, that future. And so, you know, when we say mindfulness to some people or when maybe, I don't know, Heidi, if you experience this, it's like, you know, let's not, let's not have any distractions. Let's not worry about what's going to, what's happened in the past or what's going on in the future. People in their minds are like, well, then that's not good because we need to think about the future. Everything rides on the future. It's just, there's so many things that I don't know that, that, um, people have misconceptions about that, that mindfulness is just really hard. I know that's probably what you've picked up. Mindfulness for me is, is difficult. I've been working on, no, I'm just kidding, but it is like, it's, it's, it's those things and everything that we come encounter with in society or a lot of things they're saying, you know, be prepared for the future. Worry about the future. You need to be prepared. Don't get caught by surprise. And it's kind of the opposite of what we want for mindfulness. We don't want to have to worry about that kind of stuff. I was going to say, like, when the goal is presence and the opposite of that is either dwelling in the past or dwelling in the future, I've always found it kind of similar to you where it's, for me, I find myself getting caught up in the future, much less than getting caught up in the past. I agree, yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on the person and people can sometimes get caught up in both or maybe it depends on what's going on for you. But I think that's just back to that piece of like, there's probably no way to be mindful 24-7. I can't yep. imagine anyone is. Um, there are going to be times where you've just got obligations and you have to think about that meeting that you have next yep. or that assignment that's due tomorrow or the test you have coming up. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing if you're not you know, being fully present all the time and you are being pulled into something. That's just part of life too. And then, so Heidi, I'll ask a question. How do we involve mindfulness in our daily lives or in our communities? Any tips you could give us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there are lots of different ways to practice mindfulness for yourself. Um, There are different um, apps out there that you can use. We even have some resources here at K-State. For example, every Friday at 12, 
the, there is a free Zoom meeting um, that's called just a moment of mindfulness. It allows you to practice a couple different mindfulness exercises with some facilitators and just get that chance to, to take some time for yourself, take care of yourself a little bit, take that break on a Friday and um, start practicing mindfulness, making it kind of a more regular part of your day. Um, otherwise, there are so many different um, websites out there, even just by Googling mindfulness or looking for mindfulness on YouTube. There are lots of different free options for being able to find different um, guided videos or things. So there are lots of different ways to do it um, yourself, whether it's being yeah, led by a video, whether it's just something you're doing for yourself. Um, it's very flexible. What we'll do is we'll put the uh, link for that workshop in our description there you go. Oh, and I do, good. yeah, and I do know that one of our my coworkers, Megan Cat, um, she's an advisor for one of her the Welcome Ambassadors and a health educator. She's done the Friday moment of mindfulness, and she had nothing but great things to say about it. Okay, she cool. raved about it. She said it was great. Um, and so, um, I think that is part of too how you get community involvement. You get people that that partake in it, that participate in it, and they come back with a positive. You know, it's that word of mouth type of thing, and then it becomes a little bit more of a of a of a norm within that community. If that makes sense, you know, if it becomes a little bit more of a norm in our department in Lafine Health Center at Health Promotion, then we'll go and we'll talk with say uh, the re- records and registration, and they might think, well, maybe that's something we can do. So even that word of mouth, I think, is how we can build it within a community, and just trying it, I think is something that's really important so yeah agreed there's so many different places i think it can be mm-hmm. be used if you can do it on an individual level you can do it with your roommates you can do it at work i mean you can even think in the future for yourself you know if you're not a parent now maybe you will be a parent someday and you mm-hmm. can try to to be using this kind of language with your kids to try to teach them from a younger age how to be more aware of their own experiences and emotions and thoughts or if you end up in some sort of leadership position someday um you know trying to to use these sort of ideas or just be more aware of these things with your your, um, you know, with your colleagues. There's so many different places that this can be implemented. I think you hit it too. Starting the younger you can, the more it becomes a habit, the more refined it can get for people. You know, I think I have two seven-year-olds and, you know, kind of making mindfulness the norm because um, we pick things up so much easier as kids uh, than we do as an adult because, you know, children are more resilient than adults on some things. And I think learning new skills and things is, is one of them. So, I think you hit it right there when you said like, they start at a younger age and make it a part of their life and a habit, and that way it just becomes easier. Definitely. It's not even something you have to do in a formal way. Exactly. It can just be just with the language you use yep. or just helping them to recognize what thoughts they're having or what emotions are coming up for them while they're having a tantrum or something, exactly. you know, like yep. any of those kind of things, just building their awareness of what's going on, helping with that non-judgmentalness piece of, mm-hmm. you know, that it's okay if they're feeling angry or if they're feeling discomfort and yeah. that just recognizing that um, can, I think, go a long way for the rest of their lives. That's cool. So I think let's try it. Let's do it. Let's close this. Let's close this thing out with how about we do another mindfulness exercise? What do you think, Cole? I'm ready for it. All right. Heidi, we're going to turn this over to you to kind of close this out. Um, and then once we're done, we'll give you the final word and then we'll get you out of here. Okay. So whenever you're ready, I'm ready to become mindful. This is an exercise that's designed to help you be more aware of your physical sensations and check in with your body. Okay, perfect. Begin by closing your eyes or looking down and settling in your chair so that you are upright but comfortable. Notice the way you are sitting. The way your body feels in the chair and the places where your body is touching the chair. 
Notice your breath and where you feel it in your body. Allow your awareness to expand so that you notice any sensations that arise in your body. This may be tension or soreness in your muscles. The feeling of the air on your skin. Sensations of hunger. Or any other physical sensations that arise. Just notice sensations as they arise without judging them. Just noticing them as they are. You may say to yourself, I'm feeling a sense of tension here, or I feel some coldness here. If judgments arise, notice these two and shift awareness back to your body and to the sensations that you are experiencing. Allow each sensation to be as it is for however long it remains. Just notice it and continue with expanded awareness. And now, bring your awareness back to the way you're sitting in the chair and to being in this room. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. That was great. That was great. Heidi, this has been a really, really good episode on mindfulness. Um, like I said, especially since we are heading into finals week for students, we've got, you know, a global pandemic going on. People are working a lot of hours. You know, a lot of people, so many people have so much going on in their life. I think this is a great, um, I don't, I want to call it a refresher. People know they need to be mindful, but this is a great refresher and a great um, kind of reminder for people. Hey, this is important and this is how we can do it. Mm-hmm. So we really, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us all your expertise leading us through mindfulness exercises, helping us process it, 
and maybe even get into a couple of uh, deeper conversations that were, I thought they were incredibly helpful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. thank you so much for coming on and talking with us about mindfulness and, and sharing some of your experience with it, but also guiding us through how we can expand upon it in our own lives. Yeah, thank you so much, both of you, for inviting me today. It's such an important topic that I think can really do a lot of good for people when they're able to just be a little kinder to themselves and, and take some, some time to check in and see how they're doing. I think it can it can really do, do a lot of good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. Mm-hmm.